Ever wonder why luxury hotel mattresses are so dreamy? It's because those hybrid mattresses combine both comfort and support to make you feel like you're sleeping on a cloud. With Dream Cloud, you can get a luxury mattress made with premium materials at half the price of traditional hybrid mattresses. Dream Cloud combines the perfect blend of comfy memory foam and supportive springs. Comfortable sleep is about more than just the mattress you sleep on. And that's why every Dream Cloud also comes with $399 in accessories. Plus get $200 off a 365-night home trial, free shipping and returns, and a forever warranty. Go to dreamcloudsleep.com today. Well, today on the program, I'd like to, to share a few news stories that I've been looking at, some emails listeners have sent, and then some updates on a personal level. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, if my voice seems rather weak, I'm feeling fine. It's just that I've been burning the candle at both ends. This has been one of the busiest weeks that I can remember in 10 years, literally in 10 years. I can't remember having done as much physical labor, mental labor, still trying to produce the radio show along with everything. And so instead of being able to settle into my little recording setup earlier in the day, well, I'm doing this program much later than normal and my voice is just worn out. So my apologies. I feel fine, just tired. And so keep me in your prayers. Getting a lot of work done on the uh, broadcast project. And I'll tell you about that a little bit later in the program today. And man, you talk about putting in a full hard day's worth of labor. It's been a long time since I've done the work that I I have been doing this week. In a very different time and place, like back in the 1980s and into the 1990s, I used to do a lot of the kind of work that I'm doing this week. And man, to to be back in my 30s again instead of my 60s. It was a lot easier in those days, but I think it's coming along wonderfully, and the progress that was made this week has been absolutely enormous. And I've taken on a couple of other small projects for WRMI over the next several days as well. So just keep me in your prayers that I I get the rest that I need so I can continue doing all that I need to do to keep this program going and the projects going and some ministry opportunities, you know, always moving forward. Now, one of the first things I want to share with you, there was a story that came out in a publication I generally do not read, but somebody brought it to my attention. It's called The Atlantic, and it's a publication. It's online now. And they have a really big question. Here's the big question. Is it safe to hang out with the unboosted? Let me say that again. Is it safe to hang out with the unboosted? We're not talking just vaccinated. Now, now you've got to, you have to have your booster shot. And how many booster shots are we going to need over the next, oh, I don't know, three months, six months, a year? Is the corona vaccine mandatory in many places, attempting to be made extremely mandatory even here in the United States. Does it do any good? Does it really stop the the spread of COVID-19? Does it really stop you from getting or spreading? I mean, isn't that what they're telling us? And of course, Atlantic Magazine is just assuming that they work. Yet the evidence keeps mounting up that they do not do as advertised. Everything we were told in December and back even in November of last year, when we first heard that the first vaccines were coming out from Pfizer and Moderna, amazing how they were both able to pretty much coincide at the same time. If you got your two-shot regimen of the Pfizer which is also BioNTech. If you got that, hey, you're, you're COVID-proof. If you get the Moderna, 
you know, two-shot regiment. You're you're going to be free of COVID. Get on with your life. Take off your face mask and and head out to a restaurant and 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 enjoy the crowds again, like you did in 2019. Or get the Johnson and Johnson one and done. And how many millions of people lined up on day one to get their vaccine? I look back at the time that I spent in emergency management in 2020. And I want to just have you walk through this with me and bring back some memories of the things we knew, didn't know, were told were going to happen, how to prepare and what to do and how pretty much all of us, all of us went along. In February of 2020, when I had that telephone call from somebody I'd worked with in emergency management years earlier, saying, Bob, I need to get our team back. This is going to be one of the greatest, most challenging undertakings we've ever seen. Remember, how how much did we really know at the time about any of this? We're all going on with our lives. 2019, I'm making all kind of plans for the spring of 2020. And my wife and I, we're going to be down in Florida getting a lot of things up to speed for some church ministry and other things that were on our mind. Doing this daily radio program was not a part of that equation. I'd even considered at that point giving up my weekend radio show because I had so many things to do, even preparing that one program and getting it distributed once a week was becoming a bit of a problem because of the various deadlines that I had in getting it out. And I was wondering, is the program even really being listened to? Is it really accomplishing anything? This was the weekend-only radio program. And I thought I'd hang on a little longer. And then I got that phone call, and I was asked if I would consider coming out of retirement and and helping out. And so after we thought about it, I made the decision to go. And I didn't know how long I was going to be out of state, in a different state, one I've never lived in before. And for a couple of months, I lived in a hotel room. And my job was information, getting out information to the public. But I also have a planning background, so if needed and when needed, I could work in that realm as well. So let's go back. And I've said this before. I want to take you back now to February of 2020. By that time, most of us had heard that there's this, this coronavirus out there, and it's spreading. It started in China. We started seeing these videos coming out of people walking down streets and collapsing dead and, and guys in hazmat suits, you know, carrying them away. Imperial College out of London, it came out with an assessment. And pretty much every emergency management agency in the United States, federal, state, and literally worldwide, we looked at this information. And it was dreadful. It was, it was terrifying how this would spread and how many people would die. And when we say how many would die, we're not talking over years. We're talking over the next few months. We're talking between March, April, May, and June and into July, four or five months. In the United States, we were told to expect over 3 million people to die in the United States by the summertime. 3 million. In the county where I served, we were told to expect 3,000 people to die from the coronavirus before we hit the peak of the summer. And so this is the information that I was working under and other agencies and other places all over the world. And so when the idea to have 15 days to flatten the curve so the hospitals would not be overwhelmed, that was the purpose, remember? And to restrict traffic 
Only so many people allowed in a store at one time. All these measures seemed on the surface because we didn't know much yet. And we have this prediction out there from the so-called experts of thousands, 3,000 to die in this county I serve. Now, to give you an idea of how many people would normally die in the course of a year in that county, 2,000 over the course of a year, not four months. We're going to exceed a one-year death count by 50% in four months. The county's not prepared for that. The mortuaries, the funeral homes would, would not be able to deal with this. And so how are we going to store those that pass away? How are we going to have room in hospitals with so many patients just overwhelming the system? Remember, this is why we did everything we did back in March. And I would say back in March, the majority of Americans had no problem with it. They were, they were terrified. They were scared. Let's try it. Let's do it. And, of course, the government promising to, hey, we're going to send everybody a check, so, you know, you're not going to lose everything here. Well, then two weeks became a month, and a month became six weeks, so six weeks became three months. Three months became six months, and then a year. We're heading toward two years of this now. Two years. 2020. The idea of a vaccine was just dismissed out of hand by the powers that be, like Dr. Fauci. It can't be done. Take years. And he's the expert. Everybody, everybody agrees. Dr. Fauci, he's the go-to guy. He's the expert. But something during that time made me begin to wonder. Now, even before I went up to the place that I went, I, I really can't say where I went. Before I left, I remember preaching, and I'm not going to share it today, but I remember I was asked to preach at a church. It was kind of like my Sunday to do it. And, and I just had this feeling to let everybody understand the words of Jesus, fear not, fear not. And, and I, I kept saying to people, don't let what's happening out there in this pandemic world get between you and your faith in Christ and your participation in the living body of Christ on the earth called the church. Because we need to fear not. We need to not fear getting together in Jesus' name. But what happened within weeks? Church is shutting down one by one. People afraid to go because they're afraid they're going to die. And any time a news agency heard of any church anywhere in the United States that had anybody that got connected or had COVID or, one, or somebody died, they pointed fingers at that church and said, see, they're super spreader events. We got into mm, first part of, of April. And I started to have questions because of all the data that I can see on a dashboard, all this material that I have in front of me, yet all the stories that are on the news. And I'm seeing this, this disconnect. Something's not adding up. The number of people that are supposed to be already dead in the county I'm serving, it's just not happening. All these hospitals that are, that are supposed to be just having people piling out the door in gurneys and wheelchairs because they can't be treated. It wasn't happening. In the county that I was in, in their major city, their biggest hospital, which is a large hospital, they're laying off staff. Now, if they're supposed to be so overridden, how can they afford to, to furlough staff? And then I would see these news stories pop up. And this one saying, so-and-so hospital is running at 98% capacity. Get into panic mode. We're all doomed. This was what was going on on a local TV station. And it just didn't sound right because the parking lot didn't look like it. It just didn't seem like this made any sense. So, I asked a couple of questions. 
how are you 98% at capacity? Well, that's not exactly correct, Bob. Uh, What it is, we're at 98% capacity of the capacity we are currently using. We have shut down two-thirds of the hospital. We're at 98% of the one-third. We can spin up staff and additional floors and rooms in about an hour. So that headline was a lie. But people were, were sharing it in social media. They were believing it. They're in panic mode. I've known a number of people last year that had COVID. One lady in a town in, uh, in South Carolina. I don't know her that well, but I know her husband. She had so many of the comorbidities that put you at high risk. And for a short time, it was touch and go. But she's fully recovered. Her husband came down with it. He's fully recovered. A friend of mine that I interviewed not that many weeks ago, also from South Carolina, he had it, fully recovered. Family members, we have a few of them that have had it around the country, and they are recovered. I only know of a couple of people in my circle that had close calls. And in both cases, I can tell you without any shadow of a doubt, it was the CDC murderous protocol. That's what I call it. It is a protocol designed to kill you, not to cure you. The CDC fights against ivermectin. They fight against hydroxychloroquine. They fight against therapies that are proving themselves over and over again to work. They don't want you to have it. They want you to come in there and just be observed and then try the expensive remdesivir, which is thousands upon thousands of dollars a dose. And if that doesn't work, put them on a ventilator and let's see what happens. Most times they die. Yet other places had a different way of treating and the results were phenomenal. Yet here in the United States, for whatever reason, those kind of treatments were denied people, and there are people that are dead that should be alive today. Why? There are a lot of theories out there, everything from global reset, and I'm sure there's a big component of that there. But also, I think it sometimes comes down to the most obvious, money and power. The two things that do the most damage in our world today, money and power. Governors in many states in this country, prime ministers, presidents, and leaders all over the world, they love this newfound power. You stay home. You are essential. You are not essential. If you're unessential, sorry. I'm sorry you might lose your house or your car or your business that you put your entire life into. Or you may have mental illnesses because of all the stress of this. And as I've said before, when it came to government workers, like in the county that I came to help, something else became increasingly disturbing to me. There are people in that government that are saying, well, this business is essential, but this one isn't. Yet everybody that worked in that county government, even though a lot of those jobs were not needed at that time, we don't need parks and recreation. Everybody's staying home. There are a lot of things that we did not need in economic development. Nobody's doing business. But see, they're government. They're essential. So they kept their paychecks going. No questions asked. They had their benefits and they were accruing vacation time, meeting in their pajamas on Zoom meetings. This is what I saw in 2020. And I can remember, they thought I was going to be sticking around for another couple of months, at least. I can remember one one day I got up. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Everything we've been told by the Imperial College is a blatant lie. Then we come to find out, that the so-called wondrous, magical, marvelous computer program written by some professor 
guy from that, that, that university was a bunch of gibberish and garbage. It was meaningless numbers. That computer program would come up with different results with the same numbers over and over again, all over the road. So suddenly, the three million to die or three and a half million in the United States, it's not happening. We hadn't even reached 150,000, let alone three million. In the county where I was serving, expecting 3,000 dead people or more, 31 people. And in those 31 people, I think eh, about 80, 90% were over the age of 83. And it was happening in nursing homes. And suddenly I started thinking to myself, I, I can remember putting together a little video for my weekend show audience. And it's something I just wanted to share and also with people in, in my church body. And I was talking about it's time to put away the fear. Easter is almost here. Jesus was victorious over death, disease, <laughs> viruses, and the grave. And on that Monday or Tuesday after Easter, I, I said that I'm going to have to start considering winding up what I'm doing. Is there anything that you are absolutely needing me to do that I've contracted and promised to get done? And I spent the next two weeks tidying things up into the month of May, and I made a promise that I would go to our home in Georgia and wait a week or so because I could get back in a reasonable time. It wouldn't be like a two-day trip. I went there for a week. And things stayed the same, so I headed back to Florida, picked up my wife, and then we went up to our home in Georgia to spend the spring and the summer not knowing what to expect about the virus and how anything would just pan out. We just didn't know. But I wanted to start learning more, and I felt this real urge to, to sift between all the noise and the headlines and the fear and... I understand one thing about the news media. They love sensationalism. I understand those that are on power trips. They don't like to let it go. And a lot of people can become fearful and then they become unreasonable because they are consumed by their own fear and they believe their fear is real. And so it was in the beginning of the summer, maybe around end of June, I started thinking about maybe putting together a daily little podcast, maybe a little video cast. Didn't even know what it was going to be. And I'm I'm just waking up at night with this urge to to cut through all the noise and reach people with this information. And then I was talking to somebody else on the phone, somebody I've known for about maybe seven years. And I mentioned to him what I'm thinking about. And I said, you know, maybe I ought to do this program on shortwave. It seems a lot of people look at shortwave as a better alternative news source at times than even the Internet. It's hard to wade through hundreds of thousands of different daily podcasts and websites. It's not easy. I said, maybe I can do it there. And so he asked me this question, so, well, how much would that cost? And I told him what I thought it would cost to try it out for a few months. And he said, I'll pay for that. And he did. And I made the decision then to begin the program instead of a little video cast of five to ten minutes a day, this one-hour radio program you're listening to now called Truth to Ponder. And over the... Over the past, what, going on 15 months now, we've been talking about these issues. A lot of, it, we, a lot of things we go over and over again to remind you that, that it really hasn't changed. I can remember even as the vaccines were beginning to roll out and then we found out what kind of vaccines they were, my interest in them very rapidly subsided because this is unknown territory for human beings. And the information I was finding was, was not hopeful. And there could be long-term ramifications. So my wife and I decided to take a wait-and-see attitude. And so we opted not to. 
and I'm glad that we didn't take the vaccines. And a lot of things that have been said on this program, what they can be, what they could be, and some of the dangerous aspects to your body, to your immune system. I can remember on this program having guests telling us that these vaccines are not going to do what they say they're going to do. Guess what? They were right. They're not doing what they said they're going to do. 95% efficacy rate. Get your, get your jab and go back to your job. Have your life back with just a little needle in the arm. It'll all be okay. And now we're talking booster shots. Now we're finding out that the vaccinated people spread the COVID virus even more so than the unvaccinated. How can that be? People are now dying at a higher rate in other parts of the world that are more vaccinated than the unvaccinated. What's going on here? So what's the solution? Vaccinate more. Insanity, do the same thing over and over again, and let's this time expect a different result. Country after country, then the variants. We've had the Delta, we've had the new, we've had the this, we've had the Omega, we've had... Who knows? I can't even keep track. I'm going to share a thought on the other side of the break coming up in a few minutes. Had a wonderful long talk with a, a doctor who is on the front line, really good at his craft. I'm going to try to get him on this program as a guest, but I'm going to share a few things he did tell me that it made my, my head spin a little bit, Then it all made sense to me. You need to hear it. It's important. Remember a few weeks ago, the Omicron variant. The next new thing to be scared about to make you want to run down to your local pharmacy or Walmart and get the shot. The Omicron. Omicron, it sounds like a Decepticon. It It sounds moronic or something to me. And, and the folks that discovered it in South Africa keeps trying to scream, hey, the symptoms are super mild. People are not dying. It's much ado about nothing. People get tired. Uh, they don't feel good for a day or two, then they're fine. But we're making such a big deal out of it. And, and trust me, the people in the pharmaceutical companies that are marketing the vaccines like Pfizer and their partner in Europe, BioNTech, boy, they're loving this. You know, the other day, one of my friends sent me this little tiny video clip. It only lasts like a handful of seconds. And and this is the the CEO, you know, the the guy in charge of making sure the company is making megabucks, the big bucks, BioNTech. And he was asked a question about Omicron and booster shots, and and listen carefully to exactly what he said. With the data now coming for the Omicron variant, it is very clear uh, this, our vaccine for the Omicron variant uh, should be a three-dose vaccine. Now, did you hear exactly what he said? A three-dose regiment for the new Omicron variant? We said in this program months ago, the The goal of these vaccinators, these vaccine companies, is to have a product that billions of people must take. I said a few weeks ago, the company Moderna, one of Dr. Fauci's favorite companies, by the way, was literally making no money. They kept going back to Wall Street and the the bankers and the stock market to raise more more funds. They've been promising for about a decade all these miracle concoctions with mRNA, none of which were coming true. But suddenly they were able to rush their vaccine to the emergency market. And now they're trying to get governments to compel you, to make you, to force you, and even children as young as five, and there are those that wanted to go down to you know, like six months of age, to take these unproven vaccines. And why? A lot of money, a lot of money on the table. When you have billions of people in the Western world 
being forced to take a vaccine or they cannot participate in society. What a, what a hammer over the head to make people comply. And so I, I have to challenge a lot of what I hear because the narrative keeps changing. Remember, get your vaccine, you're done. Get your vaccine, take off your face mask. Get your vaccine, get your life back. It's never coming back. If they get their way, it's never going to come back. A three-regiment vaccine, that means like three vaccine doses in what, six months? Seven? People laughed when we talked about a booster shot or a fourth booster. Well, they're already being done in parts of the world and third shots here in the United States. I guarantee you by next year, we'll be talking the fourth and fifth. When does it end? When does it end when we know that they don't even work as advertised? The best they can statistically show is that in some people, your personal outcome might be better. But as far as you getting or spreading the virus, makes no difference. So why is there this death wish to make everybody on the planet vaccinated? Either they're not telling us something or there's something they don't want to tell you because you'd be angered by the truth and what the real agenda is. Now, when I come back in a few minutes, I want to continue on this and I've got a few emails I really want to get to. I didn't think I'd be going this long in the first segment. We're trying this month of December. And by the way, If I don't reply to your emails or mail right away, believe me, it's the kind of schedule that I'm keeping. I really, I'll be getting back to a lot of folk over the next several weeks. It's just going to take time. But your listener reports are really encouraging me more than you'll ever know. There are times I do this program and I wonder, is it really worth doing? I have a, a group of people that are very supportive. But I really want to know, are we making a difference? And as I've promised, if you email me to tell me how you're listening, I am not going to put you on an email list. I'm not going to start writing you back, asking for anything, and just, you know, bombard you. I make that promise. I'm not doing that. Having a hard enough time replying to people as it is right now. But my personal email address, so if you're listening on shortwave or a podcast or both, and what station, what time, is bob at truththenumber2ponder.com. Bob at truththenumber2ponder.com. Now, I don't have a whole lot of time before the break. I'll just go with this. If you want to support this ministry, if you go to our website, the mailing address is there. And if you make a check payable to Truth to Ponder, uh, or actually make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, and mail that to 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida, 32536. That's Crestview, Florida, 32536. And I'll give that address again before the close of the program. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. The other ending coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. The book of Ruth is amazing. It starts out one way, ends up different. Naomi, a Jewish woman, expected to stay in Israel her whole life, see her sons marry Jewish women, and bear grandchildren for her. Ruth, a Gentile woman, expected to stay in Moab, marry a Moabite man, and live and die that way. Boaz, a Jewish man, undoubtedly expected to marry a Jewish woman, but then he got older and he probably expected never to marry at all. But Naomi moves to Moab with her family. They marry Gentiles. Her sons marry Gentile women. Her husband dies, then her sons die. And Ruth, the Gentile, marries a foreigner, a Jewish man who dies. Then Ruth and Naomi go back to Israel, where Boaz is now an older man, expecting he'll never marry. But the Gentile Ruth goes to Israel. The old bachelor marries. The bereaving Naomi rejoices. Ruth becomes a Jewish wife. Nobody's life in the story goes as they planned it. Nobody got what they planned to get out of life. But they got something better. 
God's plan. And the same with you. You've got your plans in your life to get this, to get that. I'll get this job. I'll get this thing. I'll get successful. Because you think that's how you're going to be fulfilled. But God's way are not your way. God's ways are better. If you follow God, your life isn't going to go according to your plan. God doesn't plan that you get what you plan to get. He plans something better. He never promises a perfect airtight picket fence life. He promises a redeemed life, but it'll turn out better than the perfect life. Always better. Go with God's way because his way is better and his life is better than what you planned. Ask for Ruth and Boaz. Now, how often do you get something offered to you, priceless, wonderful, life-changing, and free? Here goes right now. Sapphires, it's as precious as it sounds, guaranteed to help give you a life and walk of victory, joy, and along with that, we got the incredible mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. It's priceless. It's free. How do you get it? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed with the free gifts, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and to all the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1, and you'll have a great part in the end time harvest that's y-e-s-h-u-a-1 or write me direct here's how the nice jewish boy at box 1111 lodi l-o-d-i new jersey 07644 that's the nice jewish boy that's box 1111 lodi l-o-d-i new jersey 07644 till next time this is jonathan khan saying go his way my friend it's better in messiah or haolam the light of the world This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. When I went to the break, I was talking about the number of emails I'm getting of late. And even if I'm a little late in getting back to you, I apologize. It's just the schedule has just been so... I barely see my wife these days. Um, I'm on the road. I'm staying away from our house so I can do the work that I'm needing to get done so I'm not having to make a long drive every day because that too is getting tiring at my age. I realize I'm no longer 37 or 27, I'm 67, and there are some mornings and some afternoons, like, like even today, it can be rough. But then you wonder, is doing this program really worth the effort? And some of the emails I've been getting of late have been really encouraging, and I'm going to share one in just a moment. Like I say, this this ministry is multifaceted. We try to bring you news and information you can use. And, and I know there are a lot of great information sources on, on, the, on the World Wide Web. I read a lot of them myself. I subscribe to many to stay informed so I can talk to you with information that has been vetted, that has proven itself over and over again to be correct information, not misinformation. The tech tyrants now have become the new, well, propaganda ministers of a worldwide government. Facebook, Meta, whatever you want to call it today, they want to control the narrative. So does Twitter. They want to control the narrative. YouTube, they want to control the narrative. Even Rumble, where many people thought they'd be safe putting on videos, you watch and see, now that they're going public and money's involved, big money, watch that freedom disappear. One of my issues is, is a time issue. I would love to do more with social media. Truth to Ponder actually has an account on Gab, you know, G-A-B. And it's a great place to be because it is free speech. A lot of things there I don't agree with, but it is free speech. And it's run by a Christian. I just don't have the time to take care of the social media side. Maybe you would like to do it for me. I'll give you all the credentials you need to, to put things up. Maybe you heard on the program and keep track of what people are saying. The social media side is important. In other words, letting other people know about the radio program. I need to spend more time on the content of the program and finishing this engineering project and also being true to my calling in ministry. A lot of things happening on that front too. And you'll be, I'll be sharing more as it all comes together 
other people that I need to be bringing on this program, probably after the first of the year when we all have more time. But I mentioned that I, I get some emails, and I've had a, just a large number. It's nice to know. Had listeners in Canada, one way up in northern Canada wrote, others in the Midwest, uh, other places like Ohio, New York, uh, Tennessee, just to name some that are just coming to mind, Oklahoma, getting, getting emails from everywhere and what frequencies you're hearing the station on. The one area we don't cover as much as I'd like to is heading west. And we're working on that. I think the West Coast needs this information desperately. And so that's, that's in the works. Now, this email came from somebody. And this, this, this email, it came, the guy's name is Zach. I'll say that much. And, and Zach, your email came to me at the most fortuitous time. I was just, I'm worn out, I'm tired, I'm trying to figure out, is, is it worth doing this every day? I've got so many things that I'm called to do and I can't get them all done. I just need that extra push. And Zach writes that he lives in Pennsylvania. And he listens primarily on shortwave, on 5950 uh, kilohertz. And he listens like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 10 to 11, and also he can listen online because we're not on Wednesday nights at that time. We, we just can't get that time slot. I, I wish I could, but I can't. Maybe I can get another one. I don't know, working on it right now. And he said, I started listening about August, September. I'd like to tell you that I'm very grateful for what you do. And he writes, your message has changed my life. I'm 33, married 10 years, I have two boys, ages five and one. I grew up in a Christian family, but I need to admit, in recent years, my faith had been in the background. Recently, with the political situation and the evil forces affecting our lives, I became depressed, frustrated, and worried. I was in the Boy Scouts when I was a kid. We were taught always to be prepared. So I began to gather a few emergency supplies just and things really got bad. Let me just kind of pause right there. With the riots last year, with everything going on politically and globally right now, yeah, being prepared is not a bad idea. I think that's just being common sense. He then writes, one of those supplies was an emergency radio that happened to have short wave. I started listening to it for an alternative news source. Now, remember, this guy's 33. And he goes, that's how I found your program. It turns out it was exactly what I needed during these times. And believe, and, and I believe I was meant to find it. And he tells me where he worked at for the past 13 years. He's made a good living. But something changed in him, it's what he writes, that I couldn't explain until I listened to your show for a while and began to get back in touch with God. Now I think I know what it is. I feel like God is preparing me to take action or go into a totally or completely different direction. I feel like I'm sitting here on the sidelines watching everything going on, but I feel the desire to contribute to being part of the solution to preserve and save this country for my boys and future generations. I'm just not sure... I'm just not sure what my role or purpose should be yet. I started really stressing myself out and, and trying to figure it out on my own, which led me to more frustration and unease. But then it hit me. After listening to your words and the word of God, I just need to trust in him. So I started praying on it and just really trying to trust God to show me what his purpose is when the time comes. It might be something big. It might be something small. For now, I am focusing on keeping my mind right, being present in my children's lives, and trying to fear not to be a better Christian and a better man. So I want to thank you. I really feel that I've just started a new journey in life, a spiritual one. I've never felt this strongly about anything in my life so far. And I believe he's using truth to ponder to give people like me guidance in these times. 
Just know that your work is making a difference and having a huge impact on my life, at least I'm sure others as well. You're great at what you're doing. A balance of truthful news and scripture is just what we need. And God has you right where you're supposed to be. And I'm grateful to him for that. And Zach, I'm grateful that you took the time to write such a kind email to me. The encouragement you gave me is just what I needed in a very difficult week with so many things that I know need to get done and trying to prioritize. Obviously, the radio program is important. And then even today, I'm looking at some emails. I'd missed them all day. I've been so busy over the last 24 hours, I really haven't read my email. And I started finding, oh, I listen in this state, or I listen at, at, on this frequency, or I, on this station at this time. Keep them coming. It's giving me a good idea of the best times for this program. Now, just kind of a, like I say, I want to give you some insights, information. Trying to find extended hours to other times of the day to broadcast. I'm, I'm wondering, one frequency that may be available in the not-too-distant future is one that would give coverage earlier in the day, like in the afternoon, on shortwave. And that is one I want to add. Maybe another one in the evening, and, and I'm thinking in the really late-night hours, so it'll be available at a good time on the West Coast of the United States. And that's something that I've been really concerned about. I, I, look, I look at where people say they, they live at on a map, and I can, I can tell it's, it's the primary path of a couple of these signals on WRMI. And, and I just need more to the West and into Texas and into California, Oregon. Those are places that really need to hear this message. I, I'm thankful, Northern Ontario, but I know that if, I, if we can do what I'm trying to do, then we can get the other half of Canada as well. And Canada's got a, a great need right now. And, and so I just want to be one of those voices that God has just called to do this particular job in this particular time for this particular purpose. But never lose sight of my primary calling in ministry to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we know the world's going crazy. And we know that people are worshiping at an altar of fear. You know, I use the term mass COVIDians or the cult of COVID. And in many ways, that's what it's become. I was looking at a comment. My, my brother, who lives in Virginia, wrote something or put something up. And one of his friends from upstate New York, where we had lived many, many years ago, like 40, how many years? It'll be 50 years I can't believe that next summer, it'll be 50 years when I left home to go to school, and I never came back. I, I, I left, got my own place, and moved on in life at 17, heading toward 18. And so I have not seen this individual literally in 50 years. But I know who he is, and I know that he still lives in that community in the, in the Finger Lakes region, not far from Lake Ontario. And, and you know, he's one of those type that, that goes with that line, if it just saves one life, wear a mask. If it saves one life, take the vaccine. And the problem is, you know, they, they say that, and, that, and I know they mean well. I, I really honestly believe they, they mean well. They have a level of fear, especially when you're this guy's age. He's probably 69 or 70 now, or, or will be 70 in the not-too-distant future. And so it dawns on me as I think about this. There are a lot of people that have been misinformed and they, they've heard the hype and they, they can't stop long enough to say, have you noticed that the narrative keeps changing? You know, it wasn't that many months ago. Dr. Fauci said, if we ever get to like near a 70% vaccination rate, it's over. Herd immunity just kicks in. We know that. That's a fact. I am Mr. Science. I am Dr. Fauci. Well, in some parts of the world, they're at 80%, and they're doing terrible. It's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's a pandemic of people's weakening immune systems because of the vaccine. 
We have six times the number of athletes having heart attacks and dying. This has never happened before. And why is it happening? They're fully vaccinated. That's all they have in common. I don't trust the shots because I don't trust companies that are not trying to find cures. They're trying to find customers. And I know that sounds calloused and cold, but it's true. Companies like Pfizer have spent billions of dollars paying criminal fines in the past. But they keep coming back. And they keep making that just a cost of doing business. And now, these vaccines are the most profitable thing Pfizer's ever had since they were marketing uh, cholesterol drugs and, and the magical blue pill. You think they want to let this go? Do you think they want hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin available that work? Because under the emergency use authorization, it goes bye-bye if there is an alternative treatment that works. Or, or works better. Either way, it is what it is. They work better. And so all those... 30 and $40 billion profits and, and companies like Moderna, this, this is their livelihood. This is their bread and butter. This is, this is everything. They would lose it all if we were allowed to properly treat. Why is it the places that allow proper treatment do so much better than those that are screaming, vaccine, 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 take it or you starve, take it, you can't get a job, so you're going to be forced to be in a lockdown, you're a prisoner in your own home, we're going to put an ankle bracelet on you to make sure you don't leave. This is what we're coming down to. This is the cult of COVID. This is demonic. I really fear we are treading into this ground. So you get people like my brother's friend who just buys what he's heard. Oh, it it, it could save a life. Yet studies from Oxford, months of studies, lots of participants carefully regulated to make sure they got accurate data. And they came out with their data about, was it two weeks ago? Might have been a little longer, but I ran across it two weeks ago. When they study those that wear a mask religiously and those that hang around only people that wear a mask religiously versus those that never wear a mask and don't care if they're around people that don't wear a mask, what do they find out? It makes no discernible difference at all. There is nothing that their study can show that shows this has had any benefit, period, Now, we do know that it does cut down your oxygen level in your blood. It does raise your CO2 level. It's not healthy for young children. But you got people wearing masks and face coverings and face shields. You know, let's pause just for a moment here. Something that I've learned in my time in studying all this and reading from experts and talking to doctors. You know, about the face covering in particular. COVID-19 is an aerosol virus. So you think, in your mind, if you don't really vet it out, you think, oh yeah, a mask is going to block it coming out so it doesn't get to me. Well, the key is a virus is so tiny. Masks are great for, you know, bacteria, liquidy, warm bacteria. But a virus is only one one-thousandth the size. They're, they're, they're minuscule. And they float in the air better when they're not moist. And so what is your face mask doing? It's aerosolizing the virus in the air when you cough. When you cough, you expel it straight out and then it goes to the ground. When you come through a mask, you're making it into a finer mist. And it also, these bacteria and viruses can accumulate and find their way in over time. It, 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 they don't make any sense. But we run around like mass COVIDians in the cult of COVID, where truth doesn't matter, but compliance does. Where facts, well, they can be changed to to meet the narrative of the day. We've watched it change month by month by month. Two and you're done. Well, maybe one booster. No, maybe three boosters. 
maybe three or four shots a year forever. When is it going to end? How can they continue to justify this? I, I didn't want to talk this much about viruses and stuff today, but it, it's just the changing narrative that's out there. I'm getting ready when I find some time in the evening to start reading a book that I got. Alex Berrickson has a new book called Pandemania, and I'm looking forward to reading it. He has had some excellent material, and he's been just straight up. I may have never agreed with the guy's politics years ago. He was a New York Times reporter. But when he came across some of the truth that was being covered up or altered, and he tried to speak out, well, Twitter shut him down, and he lost his job at the Times. And it opened his eyes to the world around him. And he started to investigate all things COVID. And every day he's got some new little tidbit that comes out, some new little story. And if you subscribe to things uh, like publications on the Internet, yeah, he's worth the $5 a month, believe me, and a couple of others that have they spend their time one guy is a one guy is a professor a former professor at, at a big major university and understands media another one is a research scientist in Germany and, and he just tears it apart because he looks at the facts just like this one doctor I talked to last week made a very fascinating statement to me we we're talking about variants and he smiled and, and he said I, I, I have to laugh when I hear new variant he said, Bob, there have been thousands of variants on this virus. That's what viruses do. This is nothing new. To claim there's only been the new virus, the, the, the alpha, the omega, the this, the that, or, the, uh, or now the Omicron. He said it's a bunch of baloney. And the funny thing is what they don't want to tell you. Now, Delta, I really believe, and others do too, and it's increasingly becoming, you know, in other words, the evidence is beginning to stack up for this theory. That it's the vaccinated that created the Delta variant. As the virus inherently, by whatever mechanism, tries to evade the immune system. And it begins to morph. It begins to mutate. It changes. The natural change on a virus is it becomes more contagious, but it becomes less deadly, less symptoms, in many cases almost not noticeable symptoms. And as this doctor said, we have to wonder how many of these variants of, you know, shall we say, spreading fast but not having really bad symptoms have been out there already how many people thought they just had a day or two where they felt out of sorts, didn't feel great, but they didn't, they weren't coughing, they didn't lose their sense of smell or taste? By the way, Omicron, you don't lose your sense of taste or smell, but you become very tired for a few days. That's the worst symptom. He said, how many Omicron-type variants have been out there over the past year, year and a half? How many people may have had the virus and thought they were just tired or worn out or, or losing sleep. He said, you ought to, if you've ever had something like that, you may be pleasantly surprised that you have now built an immunity to the coronavirus. And if anything, the vaccinated may be, and he won't take the vaccine, almost cost him his job, but thank the Lord we live in Florida. And the hospital system where he works, back down. He won't touch it. And he's a, he, he treated hundreds of COVID patients successfully last year until they took his hydroxychloroquine away because the CDC said you can't have it. We have a vaccine. We can't have competition. My time is just about up, and I don't even have time to give the full address, but I will tell you, you can go to our website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com. You can find our mailing address there. You can also support us from there as well if you'd rather do it in another way. You're welcome to go to the website, truth, the number two, ponder.com. Tomorrow's Friday, and of course, on the weekends, it's always a message of hope. And until then, may God bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, 
visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.